0: As we turn thank you, sir, our attention to the word today, and we know beyond the tears, beyond the pain, our hope is built on nothing less. And we find that foundation in the word. God says, I'll dry all of your tears, And I'll remove all of your pain. But he also says weeping will endure. But joy. Amen. We're not going to wait until the battle's over. We're going to shout now. Amen. Amen. Join with me as we look at. Luke chapter 2, and as was already read in your hearing, this is um, beginning in verse 6, the word says, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Father, we bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you were at another church, we would conclude the service. (laughs) That's not how it works here. Yeah, it's, the Bible didn't say it's through our tears or jumping and shouting, which is fine. It, he said it is through the foolishness of the preaching of the cross that we who are perishing are saved. So it's through the preached word that we really get healed. Amen? Amen, amen. 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 I'm gonna... He wasn't wrapped right. Some years ago, I read about a true story. The FBI suspected that a man was smuggling drugs from Canada into America each time he crossed the border. What was strange about this man was, instead of driving a car across the border, he rode a bike. He carried on his back an old bag pack, which made him stand out. He looked odd. He looked like he was up to something. You know how profiling goes. Every time the border security officers spotted him, they pulled him over, and they routinely strip searched him. The officers were convinced that they would eventually catch him with drugs. The man became so used to being searched that when he would approach the bridge, he started undressing <laughs> and go directly to the inspection area so that the officers would do their standard routine. After years of unsuccessfully trying to find drugs on this man, the lead investigator retired. And he happened to be in a dining facility, a restaurant, when he noticed the man who he had directed years of searching. And he approached the man. He said, look, I just want you to uh, know I'm sorry uh, that we put you through all that you've gone through. He said, I am now retired. He said, off the record, were you smuggling drugs? (laughs) And the man said, he, he patted the former FBI agent down. He said, off the record, yes, I was. He said, every time I crossed the border, I had drugs. He said, well, how did we miss? I mean, we stripped her. He said, it was in the bike. <laughs> he said, you never checked the bike. You focused on the wrong wrapper. And so you missed what you were searching for. Sometimes... What God has for us, we'll miss it because of the package it comes in. Maybe your husband that you're looking at, and it just doesn't line up to how you think he should look. You, You may be looking at God's. Hand-delivered wife, sometimes the package will cause you to miss the blessing. Somebody say amen. See, God looks at the heart. We're looking at those skinny jeans. You ain't going to always be skinny. But though the outward man is perishing, the person that really matters is being renewed every day. In Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, we read about Jesus entering into the world in total obscurity from a human perspective. And it's amazing, all that's going on right now, and the government shut down, and what happened, the church, we're we so busy shopping, we ain't thinking about it. The government is actually shut down. Our president is under investigation, and all these things are going on. When you consider the parallels, that during the time that Jesus was born, Augustus Caesar was the most powerful ruler in the entire world, and he was a dictator who believed that he was a god and that he should be worshipped, and people literally worshipped Augustus Caesar. He made a decision that no matter where you were in his empire around the world, that you had to return to the place of your birth, the place of your origin because he wanted to take a census so that he could tax more accurately and if you were simply looking at it from a socio historical perspective you would be totally frustrated that one man could be on the front page of the news and have this kind of power but in obscurity <laughs> the greatest birth that ever occurred in human history That didn't make the front pages was transpiring in a little city called Bethlehem. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what is on the front pages of your mind, but I do know that God is at work. And if you would just look around, you might find that what you're looking at may not be wrapped right. But if it's from God, it's a good and perfect gift. The Bible says that this Jesus who was born in obscurity, it says, so it was while they were there. They were in a place that Augustus Caesar said they had to go. It wasn't Joseph and Mary's choice. She was pregnant. And the last thing a woman needed to be uh, doing is traveling at the last part of, in the last portion of her pregnancy. And so here they were. And the Bible says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloths or strips of cloth or swaddling clothes. And she laid him in an animal's trough, a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. I want you to underscore two, two phrases in your Bible, if you carry a Bible these days, if you're not a millennial. And I'm going to start, start carrying my big, but then I couldn't read the print, so I got to keep on holding on to this. Yeah, uh-huh. Under, under, underline these words. Wrapped him, there was no room. If they had known that the little package from heaven was Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, Lord of lords, I believe they would have found the best room in the city of Bethlehem. But they missed him because of the package he came in. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, he came into the world and the world was made by him but they knew him not. And then the scripture says he came unto his own, the nation of Israel, but they received him not. He wasn't wrapped in the package that they expected. Somebody say amen. It's easy to miss the real Jesus of Scripture. I'm not talking about the one they they, they may be preaching about down the street or the one that you heard about coming to church. I'm talking about the real Jesus of Scripture. He did not come into the world wearing a crown, but he came to bear a cross. You won't find Jesus on the shelf of your favorite retailer when you leave church today. You won't catch Jesus of the Bible on sale down at Best Buy. Unfortunately, you may not even find the name of Jesus on the lips of many professing Christians during this time of the year that we have set aside to celebrate his birthday. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but When is the last time you even used the name Jesus in your conversation with anyone? I want you to know that the world has successfully bamboozled us into what Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my my Father who is in heaven. One of the ways that we deny Jesus is by never using his name. There's something about that name. The Bible says, "Neither is there salvation in any other name given unto men whereby we must be. There's no other name, for Jesus is the way. Yeah. Help me finish. The truth yeah. and the life. no man can come unto the Father except through him. No wonder the devil don't want you mentioning Jesus' name. Happy holiday to you too. Happy holiday. I love when people say that to me so I can say, Merry Christmas to you. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Here's the first thing that I want you to understand about Christ. As we are moving into the new year, we want to be relevant and radical to reboot. We started a series of uh, lessons Based on Issachar, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, the Bible says that the tribe of Issachar understood the times, and they knew what to do. They had awareness for maximum impact. We want to be aware for maximum impact. And in order to be aware for a maximum impact, we got to know this book. The problem in the church today is that we do not, the church does not know the Bible. We know, hey, all right, hey, all right, I know the Lord is good. We know that, but we don't know this book. And the Bible says, my people are perishing. Well, the what? The lack of knowledge. Unfortunately, the ones who actually know the book, and I'm talking about, I'm, Learning the Bible in context, knowing the Bible historically, knowing the Bible not just by selected verses, but understanding the authorial, the the author's purpose and intent. One of the things that we're going to do as we try to be relevant, radical in our reboot is to go through an introduction to the New Testament, an introduction so that you can get the, the entire story of the verses that we often quote so that we will be ready to give an answer to every man who asks if a reason of the hope that is within us. The Bible says, with fear and trembling. Are you still with me? That's extra. Let's move on. So you should not be surprised by the package or the wrapping that Jesus came in. I'm not going to assume that everybody in this room know the rapping that he came in because we're not telling the story. We're raising a generation that followed Joshua, and the Bible says that third generation out of Egypt, they did not know God nor the works that he has done, had done, and so they turned to idols. We are raising children who do not know God, and the Scripture says, the, here's the reason. Because the scripture, do not forget to tell your children when they ask you, how is it that you came through your Red Sea, your Jordan experiences? He said, remind them that it was the Lord. When is the last time you gave a testimony of what God has done for you to your children? One of the greatest regrets I have as a parent is looking back and thinking that just because my children were in church, that that, that was good enough. That, that We prayed with them. We did that. But I think we could have been even more intentional, more purposeful. You got to tell your children about the goodness of God. And you have to show it to them because the best lessons are caught rather than taught. you shouldn't be surprised by the wrapping. In fact, let me share some scriptures with you. The nature of Jesus' birth was predicted. What he would be like was predicted. Way back in the beginning when Adam was told, after he fell into sin, that God would give through the the wound of a woman, a son would be born, and the son would would be wounded and by the serpent, and Satan was working through the serpent, so he was talking about Satan, but the the serpent who was Satan would ultimately be fatally wounded. And we know that at the cross, Christ accomplished that objective. He has defeated, he has destroyed the works of the devil. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now I'm going to stay on script. Let's stay on script. Amen. Praise the Lord. The nature of his birth was predicted. He would be born of a virgin. This is what the scriptures say, and it matters because if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then he would be just like you and me. He would have the Adamic sin nature. He would not be able to die for our sins as a perfect sacrifice. This is what the Word of God says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He would be born of a virgin. He would be conceived, made alive, reproduced by the Holy Spirit. In uh, Luke chapter 1, verses uh, 31 uh, uh, 30, uh, through 37, and I'm just going to read a portion of it, it says, And behold, you will conceive, speaking to Mary, in your womb, and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yahshua, the Lord delivers, or he that delivers, he that saves. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? I've never had sex. The angel responded and he answered and he said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That Jesus was not born by natural means. He was born supernaturally. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, as an evidence or a proof that what the angel was saying, he says, Elizabeth, who was barren, your cousin, is with child and she's six months pregnant, and you're going to go and visit her, and what you're going to, what you're going to see, in fact, what I'm prophesying, what I'm predicting, is true. When these prophecies were made by Isaiah, that was, it was, Isaiah lived 800 years before Jesus even came into the world. In the life and ministry of Jesus, three hundred prophecies are fulfilled to verify that he, in fact, is the, is the promised Messiah, the promised deliverer. Not only would he be conceived by the Holy would he be conceived by the Holy Spirit and be born of a virgin, he would be the Son of God, the Mogo Ganesh, the only unique Son of God, not a son but the Son of God. Verse 32, it says, And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most Highest, and the the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, descendant of the tribe of David, where God promised that David's throne would be established forever. How is it established forever? It's established through his son, Jesus, that was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Excuse me, and he will reign over the house of Jacob the 12 tribes of Israel forever, and his kingdom, of his kingdom there will be no end. Therefore, also the Holy One, that's who he call, he's called, who is born will be called the Son of God. Jesus is God's only unique Son, the only one of his kind. He is of unique status. He is the first type of his kind and the only type. Somebody say amen. He would be the God man. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, And the Word became incarnate. The Word became flesh, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father. And so, this Word that was in the beginning with God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, the Son of God took on human form, as was predicted. And now this one who came in human form, the Bible says, he who existed in the form of God did not regard becoming equal with God something that he had to achieve or earn. Jesus did not cease to be God. Even though he took on human form, he continued to be God. And that's why we call him the God-man. He is very God and very man, 100% God and 100% man. That's why the Bible says we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our weakness. But Jesus, the God-man, was tempted in all ways like as we are, yet he did not sin. The place of his birth was predicted. And Micah chapter 5 verse two. says, But you, Bethlehem of Ephodah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of Israel, whose going forth are from the are from old and everlasting, his place, the place where Jesus was born. Caesar Augustus thought he was running something when he forced the people of his empire to go back to the place of their origin, but really he was simply operating in the providence of God. The providence of God is simply this. Imagine that this is a glove that you put on your hand when it's cold outside, like it was last night. I was at the Sixth game with a little jacket on. It was cold, but when you put the glove on, the glove is To protect your hand. Now, the glove doesn't move on its own, but it's the hand inside of the glove that dictates what happens with the glove. Well, we are the glove. God is the hand. And when he moves to accomplish his purposes, even though there are many plans in our heart, the purposes of God will be accomplished. He is the one who's at work inside the glove to accomplish his will for your life. Augustus thought he was running something, but he was just a glove. The providence of God was working on his heart so that where Jesus was predicted to be born, he was actually born in the city of Bethlehem. The uniqueness of his birth was predicted, it was predicted. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9, it says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is what? Given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and the, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What a unique birth. Interesting thing about his unique birth, he, first of all, he came to us. The Bible says, for unto us. Jesus left heaven glory to come to be with us, to dwell in the midst of sinners. The Bible says that he was a friend of sinners, but he didn't sin. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, said the Lord, and touch not the unclean things. We're in the world, but not to be of the world. We need to rub shoulders with the world. God didn't save us to be keepers of the aquarium, but fishers of men. He wants us to go out and tell the world. The scripture says that he came among us to seek, and to save. I wonder if you like Jesus. I wonder if you're telling others about this one who came among us. Not only did he come among us, but he came for us. For unto us a son, a child is given. He came for you. He had you on his mind. If you had been the only one in all of creation, he would have still left glory. For while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, God demonstrated his love for you. Just put your name right there. God demonstrated his love for you by sending Jesus. He came for us. He came to us. But he came as one of us as well. A child was born. Human form. He came as one of us. But here's the thing that I like most about this thing that Jesus did. Not only did he come to us and for us and as one of us, but he came in spite of us. He came in authority. The Bible says that the government shall be upon his shoulder. He framed it from using all of his power. In other words, he, he came and he, and he operated authority. He also came to minister even when we didn't think that we were sheep without a shepherd. How many of you know that we were lost on our way to a Christless eternity called hell? How many of you know that if the Lord had not intervened, did you understand that unless the Spirit of God, you thought you came to church on your own, you thought you raised, you came, you didn't intend to raise your hand, you didn't intend to get saved. The Bible says that the Spirit himself draw you. Scripture says you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift, even the grace and the faith you operate in. It's a gift. What happens is that God uses the word in such a way, and you begin to come under conviction that by the time the spirit of God gets finished with you, you have no other choice but to choose to say yes. Oh, yes. I want you to understand, when I said yes, I've not been the same since. I am so glad that one day the Spirit of God began to work on my heart and show me my need for him. I'm so glad that his grace looked beyond my fault. Aren't you glad about that? Oh, some of you thought you were pretty good. Nah, nah. All of us have sinned. Oh, yours may look a little different from mine, smell a little different from mine, but it still stinks in the nostrils of God because all of our righteousness unto him is what? As filthy rags. Somebody ought to praise him for saving us. In spite of all, he knows everything there is to know about you. On your best day, on your worst day, he knows it all. He knows it all. And he still loves you. And he loves me. He came in authority, but he also came to do ministry. He's a wonderful counselor, isn't he? He's a mighty God. An everlasting father. I wish they won't have those sermons by themselves. A prince of peace. Anybody know the peace of God? Have you ever been going through something? Have you ever been stressed? Have you ever find yourself just, just walking before you're pacing the floor, can't sleep at night, and medication can't calm your nerves, and then you hear the Lord is my shepherd, <laughs> How about and I shall not want, even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be stressed out. I don't have to be afraid because the Lord, the Lord, he's with me. He's the Prince of Peace. But here's the condition of peace. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer, with supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. And then, here, that's the condition, then you will experience the peace of God. The peace with God comes through faith in Christ. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through Christ. But the peace of God comes through prayer and trusting. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. He came in royalty, the Bible says, he sits on the throne of David. So he came in ministry, he came with authority, but he also came in royalty. All that was predicted. In Revelation chapter 5, when you get a chance. And I I used to be so terrified of the book of Revelation. Oh, no. I don't know what's going on in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible that God promises those who read it will be blessed just because you read it. In verses 1 through 5, I'm not going to read all the verses, but... John, the beloved disciple, is on the island of Patmos, and the Bible says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, the first day of the week. Now, we are in, we are in the second part of the book, after talking about the seven churches of, 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 of Asia and, the, and how they represent the end times. Now, we're in chapter 5, and we're getting, he's getting ready to hear about the things that are to come. He heard about what, what the things that were in chapters 1 through one and 2, chapters 3 starts, to t- chapter 4 through the rest of the book talks about the things that are to come. And so here John is ushering into the very presence of God in a vision. And how many of you know that you, God, can, you can be driving a car and you're not even be there. You're in heaven having a conversation with God. That's what been, And you won't crash at anything. You get just your location. Don't try this though. Don't close your eyes while you're driving, at least while I'm on the road. Amen. <laughs> And so here he is on the island of Patmos where he should have been miserable because he was isolated. He was being punished. He should have been talking about wars me. He should have been thinking like a victim. He should have been saying, why, guy, why? Instead, the Bible says on that day he was in the spirit. And the one who was seated on the throne, the Bible said he had, he had, a, he had seven seals. And one of the angels was dispatched from from God to go search throughout the earth. Who can unloose the, the seals? Who can open the seals? And Then the angel returned, and the angel says, there's no one. No one can unloose the seals. No one can unveil what's about to happen in the future. He didn't know if it was good or bad, but those seven seals are the seven seals of judgment that are coming upon the earth. And so the Bible says that John, the beloved disciple, he said he began to weep. He began to just become grieved in his spirit. He just cried until he couldn't cry anymore. And then an angel appeared. He says, don't worry. I found one who can do it. (laughs) The Lamb of God is able to open the seals. So this one who was predicted to be born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, God and man, is not only only true that he came and accomplished the work that he was sent to do, the seeking to save, but the same one is in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, and at the right time, in the fullness of time, he will open up the seal. That's why we worship the one. He is the stone that the builders rejected. Now he's become the chief stone. I wonder if you know him when you think about it. He is in heaven right now. And I believe that it's just a matter of time when the hands on the clock, on God's divine clock, his chronological schedule for when the world comes to an end, as we currently know, that the hands of the clock are waiting for the next move. Of God, but it will be Jesus. The same Jesus who wasn't wrapped right, who came unto his own, but they didn't receive him. He's the same Jesus that we don't talk about. Seated at the right hand of God, can you see him right now? High and lifted up, waiting for your petitions. The Bible talks about that. When you get a chance, first first John chapter 2, verse 1 and 3 talking about, we have an advocate with the Father. You mean, we have a prosecuting attorney. The devil come, Oh, he's a, the accuser, he out all of the details about every lie you ever told, everything you ever did that was wrong. And he stands before the throne accusing us, but the prosecuting attorney is Jesus. He's representing us. And guess what he said? Everything that the devil says is true. But guess what? We can't lose because the prosecuting attorney is the son of the judge. <laughs> And, this, and this, the reason why the judge responds to Jesus, not in the same way that he responded to birds and doves and human and animal sacrifices and the prophets and the priests, but because Jesus is a propitiation. He's satisfied. He appeased. He wiped out the wrath of God because of his blood, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. You shouldn't be shocked. Here's the second thing, that the gift is rejected. Isaiah says in chapter 53, verses 1 through 3, you want to write this down, and this is from the living letters to make it a little clearer. But oh, how few believed it. Who will listen to whom will God reveal his saving power? In God's eyes, he was like a tender green shoot sprouting from the root, in dry and sterile ground, but in our eyes he was unattractive. Nothing that about him made us want him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. We turned our backs as it were to him, and we looked away. When he went by, he was despised, and we didn't care. That was true then, and it's true now. You know why we hate Jesus, the world hates Jesus? It's because we love sin more than we love him. The Bible says he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, the world. So we're not going around condemning people and pointing the finger, going hell go of hell. No, Jesus didn't come to do that. But listen at this. He was rejected in the past. When Jesus came in the form that he he, he came in as a baby, the power of God was on display. You may be looking at a king or the next great ruler of this world. He may be a Gideon hiding in the winepress. And if you don't have spiritual eyes to see it, you will not recognize what God has approved to become the next deliverer. I don't know how God is going to provide for you, but I do know that my God shall supply all of our needs according to his glory. The problem is too many times we got a problem with the source of the provision. It don't look like right. And so the power of God was on display when Jesus came in physical form. The presence of God was on display through humility. Some of us, we're more oppressed with people. They got the the gold and all the, the, and the pastor, I want to rob them. You know, just give me those rings, man. I'll devote, donate donate them to our building fund. (laughs) Your rings don't make you anything. Your watch, where you live, your title, the king of kings and the Lord of lords took on human force. The Bible says he emptied himself to make himself of no reputation. The Bible says he, the word kenosis means to not to, be, to, to devoid yourself of who you are. It simply means that he made a voluntary decision to not use all of his divine attributes all the time. That's why Jesus could say, I'm sleepy, I'm tired, I don't know, because there are times when he was operating on the human side, but at no time did he stop being God. He did that for us. God was on his his provision, his power and his presence was on display. You want to know when you're being most like Jesus? Not when people are pulling, holding up the, the train of your robe or patting you in the back, but when you're serving others. That's when you're being most like Jesus. And you're not demanding to be applauded. You're not, you're not, you don't care about recognition. All you care about is the result. And the greatest result that you care about is that God be glorified. Is that the focus of your attention? Is that the motivation of your service? If it is, and the Bible says your works are going to be tried according to what sort it is, and the sort is your motivation. It may look like precious stone, silver, and gold to all of us, but God knows it ain't nothing but wood, st- stubble, and hay because you're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. I don't care who recognizes me. I don't care who sees what I do. I don't care. All I care about is that God keeps good books. Amen. And he pays very well. One day. Somebody say amen. The provision of God was available through his substitution. The Bible says he carried our griefs. If you'd look close enough on the cross, you might have seen that your name was etched on that cross. He didn't die for anything wrong. He did. He died for you and for me. He who knew no sin became sin for you and me, that through his death, you and I are now the righteousness of God. You can go to your spiritual formerly bankrupt account, and you can withdraw righteousness, justification. Sanctification because of who you are in Christ, He paid the price, church. Are you with me? Jesus was is also rejected in the present. In Revelation chapter 3, you know the story of the church of Laodicea. It says hey, Jesus, I know your works. You guys are impressive. You say that you're blind, you say that you got vision, you say that you're wealthy and you're clothed. He said, Here's my interpretation of what I see at this church. He said, You're butt naked, you're blind. And you're spiritually poor. Oh, how can it be spiritually poor? Look at all the money we got in the bank, and look how many people come. And boy, do we have a dynamite, a dynamite praise and worship. He said, "Behold, I stand at the door, and I'm knocking. I can't even get in." He said, "I wish you were either cold or hot, but you lukewarm. You make me sick. I'm about to. I came to the church, then outside doing. I just felt like I'm gonna. This is a true story." This couple had been married for years, and they prayed and asked God to give them a child. And finally, the prayer was answered. God blessed them with a son. And so they wanted to celebrate in the winter in Boston. And so they told everybody, the first birthday of of their brand new son, they invited family and friends, and they came to their big home, and they they were just so excited, and everybody was eating the great food and celebrating, listening to the music. And then someone said, in an hour into the service said, where's the guest of honor? It's time to sing happy birthday. And then the mother realized that the baby was upstairs in the master room where they had put all the coats. And so she frantically rushed upstairs to find, this is a true story, find the baby. And lo and behold, the baby was buried under the coats of the gas, suffocated. How could that happen? How could Jesus, this be his birthday, this Christmas, we're celebrating his birthday, but he can't even get in. He's knocking on the door. We done buried Jesus under Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus, and, uh, we done buried Jesus. And he can't even get in. He said, let me in. Let me in. We suffocated Jesus. What do you have under your tree for Jesus? What part of your celebration, other than an empty checkbook and no tithes, (laughs) because you didn't spend all the Lord's money, on Jesus' birthday, How are you going to even acknowledge Jesus on Christmas? He was rejected. We shouldn't be surprised. Let me finish with this. You need to accept and worship the gift that wasn't right. And when you get a chance, starting in verse 8, we're not going to read all the verses. The shepherds, the lowliest profession of this time, the worst kind of job that you could have was dealing with smelly sheep. But guess who God sent the angels to tell first about Jesus, the least. God has chosen the foolish things. The, oh my! Oh my! That's a whole nother sermon, amen. And so the angels, when 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 the shepherds hear that Jesus is in Bethlehem and he's described the first thing the shepherds do, they obey the word. They said, let us go. <laughs> Sometimes if you have the faith of a child, they, and the shepherds were like children. They obeyed. And then as they went, the Bible says they told everybody about what they were told. They weren't telling everybody, go tell it on the mountain. They were telling it on the mountain. But this is the part that blew me away. When they get into Jesus' presence, the angels start, they tell uh, be glad tidings to all the world. Don't be afraid. And the angels, it's almost like the way it's described. They can hardly get the words out about the Savior that Adam and everybody since Adam had been waiting for. And the angels are trying to get, and by the time they finally get it out, the Bible says, and they break out into praise and worship. They couldn't even get it out before they praised and worshiping God. And then the scripture says, and then when the shepherds got into the presence of the Lord, guess what they started to do? I I'm trying to say, when you get into the presence of the Lord, here's how you ought to respond to the package that's not wrapped right. You will find yourself praising and worshiping him like the shepherds did. They took Jesus down at eight, on the eighth day. They took him to be circumcised. Stand with me. And when they got there, they said there was a man named Simeon. He was a righteous and just man. His prayer was, Lord, let me live long enough to see the Messiah born. When he saw Jesus, he said, Lord, I'm ready to go home. (laughs) And then he began to praise and to worship the Lord. And then they took him to the temple. And there was a woman who was a prophetess. Her name was Anna. And the first thing she did when she saw Jesus she didn't turn in the Bible. She just to begin to praise the Lord. I want you to understand when you, when you, when you get it that the package may not be wrapped in the way that we understood and the way we thought it should come. But when you're in His presence, when you learn how to experience the Lord, you will praise and you will worship Him, and you will understand that your victory is in your praise and worship. That's how we ought to respond to the package. A young man who was the only son. He got drafted in the military. Usually, they don't take the last and only child, but they took him. And he served this time. After his tour of duty was over, he wrote his parents, and he said, I got a request. And they were just so excited that his tour was over, and he was coming home. And they wanted to know what the request. So they began to read more. Said, I have a friend. He has nowhere to go. He needs a place to live. I wondered if you would take care of him. He doesn't have a leg. He lost his leg in the war. He lost an arm and an eye. In a battle, mom and dad, could you open up our home for him? And they responded. They said, son, the way you're describing him, it would be hard to look at. Someone who doesn't have an arm and a leg and their eye is gone. Uh, And and we're getting older. No, I'm sorry, son. Please come home. We love you. We can't wait until you get here. And, And then they didn't hear from their son for months. And finally, they get a letter from the commanding officer We're sorry to inform you that your son committed suicide. And they said, what? They said, well, we need you to come and identify the body. So they get to the place, uh, and they have to identify the body. And they look, and they see a, a person with no leg, no arm, and a missing eye. The person that he was describing that needed the help, it was him. It was him. But because of what they saw when he described him, he knew that they would, if he came home like that, if they wouldn't take, so he'd rather take his life. I don't know who you're going to come across during this holiday season, this Christmas season, that might be a reflection of Jesus, but they don't look like you, they don't talk like you, they don't think like you, but they may be the very person that God is putting into your path to do like the shepherds did. They told everybody about Jesus. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to look at people differently? Are you prepared to look beyond the outward appearance and see people's hearts? Are you prepared to go into 2019 and be different because of who Jesus is? He wasn't rap right, but he was the right person in the rapper. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. Let's pray.